Hi, it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. This is one of the many podcasts that Cindy and I do. Um, when we're working in the office or working on other projects, because sometimes to coordinate uh, Diane, Cindy, and my schedule, my God, it's crazy. It's just crazy. Three busy women. Well, I'm not sure what to call this podcast today because I think that Cindy is going to rename it, which she sometimes does after she's listened to the finished podcast. Now, let me tell you. I wanted to call it, and what I spoke to her about and what I mentioned to her was letting yourself off the hook was the name of this podcast to me, and I'll tell you why. And I hope this is helpful to some people. I think it's a very... I think it's a very female trait to sometimes not forgive ourselves or to ruminate over things that we've done that we thought were incorrect or we did wrong or if we had it to do over. Um, maybe it's for all humans. But for me, I know that sometimes I can go for a long time without letting myself off the hook for what I perceive was a mistake. So here's the story, the long and the hopefully short of it. I went into Michael's craft store the other day and looking for nothing in particular, a a small cheap frame for a piece that I didn't want to spend a lot of money on. And and also I just go up and down the aisles because I like the junk that they sell there. Well, I ran into an entire aisle of David Tutera, who's a wedding planner, and he had a show on WeTV, I think called The Wedding Planner. (laughs) And I've met David, nice guy, real successful career. And there was an entire aisle of his stuff that he sells at Michael's. Really cute looking headbands for brides, easy presents for, you know, just cute things you could craft for your wedding. I mean, just a whole aisle of stuff. Most of it tastefully packaged, really attractive. And for a moment, which it doesn't happen to me very often, I have to tell you, I don't have a lot of regrets and I'm not jealous. I'm not a real jealous person. I just try not to be because I don't think it gets you anywhere. I've just always tried to look forward at my own path or my own yoga mat and stick to it and do do my best for me. Well, my heart kind of sank for a minute when I saw his gigantic aisle at Michael's and I got wistful. I thought first, I thought, am I jealous? Then I thought, no, am I envious? I thought maybe a little bit. And then I realized it was really that my heart kind of fluttered because I felt like I'd failed. And the reason for that, I felt a failure which I don't look back on my career at all now. It's been, a, you know, I look back and I think, God, I got more done than I thought I was going to, or I'm lucky to be alive, or it, it all worked out the way it was supposed to. But see, here's the reason. When I wrote my book, Do It For Less Weddings, it came to me, the whole idea of the series, because we were in a really horrible recession. I think I've been through nine or 10 recessions, so I'm not sure which one it was, but it was definitely a recession. Home and Garden TV was doing things, not nearly as many makeover shows then, but they were saying, do it this way. Smart Solutions was a big TV show that I appeared on as a guest like 12 times. You know, how to do things inexpensively, but still tastefully was the whole idea. So I wrote this book, Do It For Less Weddings. Now, to be perfectly honest with you, the publisher that published it did calendars and they did buy products. 
Okay, so I, in my mind, had byproducts that I really, really wanted to be a spinoff of the book, whether it be calendars, a bridal planner, something cute. I thought, oh my God, that's where the money is. So I had given it a lot of thought. Now, as it turned out, Do It For Less Weddings sold a respectable amount of books, but it was no runaway hit. The Do It For Less Parties book sold many, many, many more. The wedding book, still in print, no big deals came off of it, except... I got a call from a television uh, production company right here in L.A. soon after the book was published, and they said, we want to build a show around you. And then when I spent some time with them, I realized that it was going to be shown on WeTV, just like David Tutera's show. And we was coming in, and I don't even know if they exist anymore, but they were coming into L.A., which always happens when a network all of a sudden mushrooms up and production companies are trying to feed them, you know, material. So I went to not one, not two, but three auditions. And by the third audition, I'm thinking to myself, my God, I'm going to have this TV show about, you know, how to do it for less weddings with, um, that'll be really tasteful, but, you know, fun and blah, 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 and not cost $50,000. And I'm just, I'm, really thinking this is just going to work so perfectly as all my plans do in my mind. (laughs) Now, so the first interview I go to, man, there's like 50, 50, 60 women. I I think we all looked alike, to be honest. We were all wedding planners. (laughs) Some were better dressed than me. And then we went through just an initial speaking thing. Then the second time I got there, they had cameras And they wanted to see us on film. And now we're down to about six or seven women in the interrogation room, as I call it. Where are you waiting? If you've never been on a casting call, the first one, the reason they call it cattle calls is you, woo, moo, because everybody's sitting in that first audition. You are just waiting for your name to be called. It's a very strange feeling. Then the second one down to just, you know, six or seven of us. And I knew one or two of them from the first time we all said hello. They were wedding planners. They were great wedding planners in town. So We were all there and I, you know, I used to do weddings in my catering career, which is where the book, a lot of that information came from my career when I did weddings. All right, fast forward. The third one comes. Now, by now, the two executive producers I've met, she, a woman keeps calling me saying, Denise, we just think you're fantastic. And they're wanting to, the things that happen to you are, you don't have a contract with anyone else. You haven't signed anything. If you don't have an agent, do you have an entertainment attorney? And they're, they're doing housekeeping because if they really like you, they're going to move very quickly as the choices start to be made. Now, I have been down this road before because if you don't know this I had more opportunities to be on television than probably anyone in the history of television but none of them ever gelled okay just so you know now third audition I bring Mandy who's worked with me for many many years writes our newsletter has helped been a support system to Cindy and I helped with our food styling workshops Mandy had only been married a few years so my bright idea was we would go to David's bridal salon which is what I did and I bought a hundred dollar wedding dress and had it the, it did cost twenty dollars to have it fitted to Mandy because she's 
thin and gorgeous. She wore it with me and I made a bouquet and she rode in the car with me. And we went to Burbank where we were meeting the production company. And I brought Mandy in and I said, now here's an example. And I had accessorized the dress a tiny bit. And I said, this is what you can get for a $100 wedding dress. And of course, the ooh and the ahs. And, you know, we just talked about it. And I think I I put her makeup on. I'm not positive, but she did her own hair. She looked adorable. How could she not look adorable? She's 29 years old. She's a beautiful girl. Well, they thought that was really cute. And then I interviewed her for part of my audition. So they had me interviewing her on film. There were three, there were, I think there were at least two or three cameras, you guys. So this was not just, you know, somebody's video camera. There was... They were taking wide shots and, you know, extreme close-ups. They were doing TV. Now, so here is Mandy, who now thinks that we're going to work on this TV show, too. She's excited. I'm excited. I'm going to make her the, you know, Cindy's going to be the producer on it and uh, the culinary producer. And we're going to do food segments for what's a good idea to serve at your wedding and how you do, you know, your dinner parties and all this stuff. Small problem, as they're all the fly in the ointment that my mother used to say, and I hate that expression, and I still hate it, but I use it all the time because that's what it is. So they're asking me questions, and then they bring in the male executive producer, and he says, so Denise, you know, we just, we love you, which, by the way, in TV talk is probably saying we think we can make you look decent enough with a good makeup artist and, you know, spanks that we <laughs> we can at least sell the pilot. Then he says, so now let me tell you a little bit more about the show, your show. And I'm thinking, yeah. And he says, well, you're going to plan the wedding for them. And it's going to, you're going to work with the bride and you're going to work with her parents. And yeah, it's going to be fabulous. And, and then right as they, the groom, she walks down the aisle. Then when she gets up to the groom, the groom's going to have that opportunity. He's going to be able to say at that moment, no, I've decided not to marry you. <laughs> and I said, I beg your pardon. Now the camera's still on me. And I said, you're kidding me, right? What are you talking about? Well, I kind of went off just in my own indelible way. I didn't yell or anything. I said, are you taught the world isn't ugly enough that you're going to, how, what about the bride? How do we do this? What? Oh, but Denise, it'll be, I said, no, it won't be fabulous. Now, the longer I talked for the few minutes about you had the wrong girl, I started to see that the executive producer now, the male was squirming. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You don't get a job when you make the executive producer squirm. He couldn't make eye contact with me anymore because he must have been afraid I was going to gnaw on his juggler. And then the young woman, who had been my friend, is now no longer making eye contact either. But she's got tears in her eyes, okay? And I'm thinking, toughen up, bitch, okay? If you put me through this, I don't care how you're feeling right now. But honestly, I went on to say, I never saw the tape. I'm sure they got rid of that tape the next day. But I almost, I wanted to call him and say, you owe me that tape. I want to see it. But what I said was this. As women, we're fed from childhood. Our wedding day is so incredibly important. 
important. It's going to be the most important day of your life. Now, let me tell you something as I've aged. You know what I think is the most important day of a woman's life? The day she graduates from med school or the day she has a baby, a healthy, beautiful baby, or the day she's Ruth Bader Ginsburg and she's assigned to the, you know, asked to sit on the Supreme Court. I think there's bigger things in life than just your wedding day, though it's certainly a wonderful day. And if you're lucky, it's a good match and you marry your best friend or, you know, whatever you you want to call your spouse. I'm married to a man that I love. I love him to death. Is he my soulmate? I don't think so because we don't have the same souls, okay? But I sure love him, and I sure love spending my life with him. Um, so I think that, but I think we're sold. We're fed like baby birds. This whole thing through TV and Jared Jewelers and um, Modern Bride Magazine, we're sold all this stuff that somehow when we get married, we'll be completed because we're not complete by ourselves. That's what basically society is saying to us. And I thought it had changed so much because I'm so old. I thought young women didn't feel like this anymore. But then when I talk to young women sometimes that are planning their weddings, I see this. I see sometimes the same crap, okay? I don't see sometimes that we have made enough in our impression on women, um, grazing them to sh- tell them to have their own damn lives. And then if you're lucky enough meet, to meet someone that you want to share it with, God, isn't that just the bonus? Isn't that the bonus? So that's kind of how I was pretty. I remember when I looked at Mandy then, when I made eye contact with Mandy, her mouth was open. (laughs) Not because she was going to eat or take a drink. I think she was just amazed by that I wasn't angry, that I was just I was angry in a not angry like furious angry. I was angry that these people had could come up with such a crappy idea. That's what I was angry about. Now, so that was it. Then I said thank you so much. Bye-bye. And we left. Um walked out, got in the car, and Mandy just said to me, "I can't believe that they would take you of all people and want to turn this into the, our cute little show into something so ugly." I said, "Honey, it's as ugly as this is the boulevard in Burbank, okay? And we drove home, and Kenny, my husband, said to me, how'd it go? I said, hmm, not that well. (laughs) Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure that I'm not going to get that job. Now, as it went on, I never saw a show like that on TV. So either, one, the network didn't approve it, or two, they never found someone that, you know, wanted to wanted to be on TV badly enough to to go on such a terrible premise. I mean, it's one thing like Bridezilla's when the bride is crazy. If she wants people to see that, that's her business. But to expose someone and the idea that they were possessing to me was that I would have to literally, that we would break some young girl's heart or humiliate her or just destroy her or make her, you know, make her crazy was not in my plans for my success or for the what I plan to leave the world. So anyway, I had to go through the whole process. So after I saw the David Totora line in Michael's, I thought, now why did that feel like a failure? And then I went through the whole process of remembering what I just told you. And I thought, oh yeah, because that TV show wasn't right for me. And I made it pretty clear to them And funny, you know what? They didn't call me again. (laughs) 
no, never heard a word. Um, so that's my story about sometimes I think this is all as we have time to think about things. And, you know, people call it a process. Sure, life is a process. But for the moment, when I had that feeling in Michael's, I thought, where is this coming from? Because I, I don't get a lot of feelings like that. I don't. I try not to have a lot of regrets. I try to think of what I've done. I did the right thing at the right time. And then life intervenes for different reasons and you move on. So anyway, I went through the process. And then instead of feeling like a failure... When I was telling Cindy the story this morning, I said, is this too weird to do a mini podcast on this? Well, but people just think I'm as crazy as a loon because I know no one does. <laughs> Why is Cindy laughing? <laughs> but she said, no, I think there's some value in it. So I think, I think the value is, is sometimes, for a moment I realized after I got through the process, I, I wasn't a failure on my part. Matter of fact, I dodged a bullet. I'm glad I didn't want to sign up for something like that because you know about 10 minutes into the after I'd signed the contract I would have said I can't go through with this because this is just a stupid idea and you guys are scum you are really scum to even think about doing this to people so anyway that's my story from failure to I think I dodged a bullet so that's how I was able to process that so if you have if any of you have moments I, I said this to a friend recently, and this is why it's called Women Beyond a Certain Age. When I was working full-time, I would write sometimes. I wrote for the Huffington Post. I wrote on my blog. I did things. But to be honest, I was so busy going to the next day and packing my car for the next shoot or working on the next with the next client, I didn't really have time to reflect. So I think the nicest part of getting to be this age I am working many less hours. I enjoy my life more. I'm not very tired. I don't feel tired anymore all the time. But also, I get to really reflect on things. I look back and think, hmm, that was important. No, that wasn't important. No, I'm not going to be upset about that. So there is a, a wonderful thing that happens to us as we age. And I think that we should just be grateful for it and not make not make fun of our big fat asses or what, anything that we blame on old age. I guess that's it. Thank you, Miss Cindy. Oh, by the way, we have a Facebook page, uh, Women Beyond a Certain Age. We love to hear your comments. And when people leave comments, it's so nice. Thank you. Uh, we're, we're working on our website and we are incorporating guests in our technical advisor slash producer slash engineer slash everything our Woman Friday, Cindy, she's already mastered a new thing for us. So we'll be able to call guests and have them on the show. So we're excited about that. Some guests are going to be live with us. We just did Jim Dodge. And if you haven't had time, you might want to go back and look for the interview with Jim Dodge. It's very charming because he's so charming. So that's it. A, a cavalcade of guests. And thank you so much. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Hello, it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. Now, here's what's going on. Diane has joined me. And I, when she and I talked about letting yourself off the hook, and I told her my sad, sad story of regret, so many things, so many emotions, and trying to figure it out, she had one, too. She had a story so similar that we decided that she had to tell it to you.
So, Miss Diane, tell our listeners what you just told me. Hi, Denise. Well, Hi, when you were chatting with me about letting yourself off the hook and things, dreams that you wanted to do and didn't come to fruition and disappointments, it was like, whoa. <laughs> it was like a light bulb went off because, um, now this was many years ago, I met um, a woman who was an interior designer. We're talking about in the early 70s. So yet again, I was ahead of my time. Um, because I'll explain why in a second. Anyway, we started a business out of her garage making pate. I, I had made a number of different interesting pates. We started selling them to restaurants, to takeouts all over the city. And then I just said, let's do a chocolate freakout cake. And we started selling them to all the restaurants and they were all, you know, buying them and saying they made them. And then I said, wait a second, why don't we open our own takeout? So we went to San Francisco and met with the most incredible graphic designer. He, and we named our business the Charcuterie, which is in Paris, the Charcuteries everywhere. And I had lived in Paris and often used Charcuteries for salads and pâtés and so forth. So it seemed like just a logical thing to do. And simultaneous to this was the Silver Palette cookbook had come out and the silver palette takeout had come out, was happening in new york city i went to new york city i researched that then i researched another place called word of mouth that did all this amazing takeout on lexington avenue and sort of the upper part and i just thought this is what we've got to do so we started meeting with people one humorous one was we she wanted to have one other partner and they were both interior designers and we found this place on 3rd Street in Los Angeles. It was pretty much a lot of Jewish, you know, deli kinds of stuff. So we were going to call our brilliant charcuterie <laughs> Three Jews on 3rd. <laughs> that was the highlight of this. Anyway, when we decided that wasn't going to quite work, we continued just researching. And then we met with the head of the Beverly Center. And finally, we looked at each other and said, this isn't working. It doesn't see, feel like... It's the right time to be doing this in Los Angeles. I was crestfallen. I mean, you know, that's what I was going to do. Schlepping to New York, meeting with people. This was this was my destiny, I thought. It just ended. My uh, relationship with Barbara, she moved, and there I was. And simultaneously to that, I was asked to uh, test recipes for a cookbook somebody had recommended me. Actually, the Dinah Shore cookbook, for those of you of another age, beyond another age. Anyway, I went in and met with the uh, publishers, and they said, God, I think you have a book in you. I said, well, I have this idea. And I said, you know, I think that there is a definable modern style of California cooking. And out of that, I wrote a proposal. I was uh, amazed that I had three offers for my book when I was sort of nobody. I didn't have a name at all. And I wrote this book using a lot of the material from the charcuterie and ended up writing The Cuisine of California, which became a major bestseller and changed my whole life into a author and a writer from somebody standing behind the counter saying, would you like to try my smoked tongue pate? Okay. <laughs> Which, by the way, is unbelievable if you have the cuisine of California. So, 
Yeah. When I mentioned to you, Joan on third. Yes, Joan's on that third. That was the trigger. Yes, and it's funny because I met Joan when I had my radio show and had her on, and she was selling her cookies. This was before you know she what? did it. You know, and when you know. tell me this story, one, yours, yes, heartbreak that you didn't get to do it. Mm, then not the, so much. The, then, again, as I use the word dodging the bullet, in fact, yes. you went off. Yeah. Have written 20 cookbooks since then. So you turned that, you had to pivot in your dream is what, exactly. is what you were doing. And, and you would not, otherwise you'd still be uh, slapping pate behind the exactly. counter. And that's- chicken liver mousse. Oh my God, did we sell that all over the city. Chick, my chicken liver mousse though is legendary. Extraordinary. Um, but, but still, in the, I think it's a good thing to remember. I bet all of you have some kind of a story if you sit down and you take a minute with a cup of tea you think what happened with my road where was there a road that could have gone either way and i went this way it's an interesting thought i think that that's part of being woman beyond a certain age yes when you're in the trenches <laughs> yeah like when i i had so many you know, I shot more pilots than Elizabeth Taylor got married. And <laughs> you did. I would meet Denise. I've known Denise for like 35, 40 years. I don't even know how long. And I would meet her, you know, like once a year or whatever when we were both very busy. She'd say, oh, yeah, I just shot another pilot. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Honey, you were the pilot uh, the maker. The pilot maker. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> but because I was so busy... When they would call a week later, or I would say, I can't sign this contract, or whatever the reason right. was, or no, <laughs> I was not going to sleep with the executive producer, <laughs> I now have time to reflect on it. And as I look back, I so get it. But I didn't, I think that that's what's wonderful about being our age, Diane, is we can now look back at things and get it. Exactly. And understand whether it was, and maybe we dodged a bullet. Yeah. I mean, I think I probably would have uh, soured on the idea after a year of standing behind the counter asking somebody to ch taste my See, chicken liver is, mousse. It just, you know. I'll tell it, you what it, else. It, yeah, In what? Knowing you. And this yeah. is my, and this is me too. I'm big on the creation. Yes. I'm big on the first couple of, you know, I love the thing, but I, I'm not always great on the maintenance. The longevity. Okay, of the it longevity. Is, yeah. 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 No, I think it wasn't, it ultimately wasn't for me. And I thought about it through the years. And when Jones on Third came on, and then there's another a place called Clementine's, I'm talking about in Los Angeles. Thought, oh, I wish but I you could know have what, done honey, this. You and were before I, your time on that. And, you and the Cuisine of California. When I wrote that yeah. book, it was before anybody was looking at farm to table and all of this sort of stuff. So yeah, it was ahead of my time. But you know what? I love the creative process of all That's of right. it. And it's just, I think it's really worth taking a minute to think about how did your life turn out to how it, where, what, what bullet did you dodge That's right. that wouldn't have really worked for you? When I was dating this extraordinarily wealthy young man, yeah. I was in college, rich, yeah. his family owned... Macy's in those days before Federated Bob. I mean, this is yeah, yeah. big money. The one half of the one percent of the half. Of he percent. was rich and he was crazy in love with me, and uh, I liked him. You know <laughs> what I mean? But uh, yeah. I'm not so sure. Yeah. My mother kept saying to me, "I think you should marry that young man and then play around later." <laughs> <laughs> what a 
right. I know. Your mother My was mother. And I said, Mother, that's horrible. <laughs> of course, I wanted to marry the only poor de- dentist in the history of the profession, so maybe my mother was smarter than I was, wasn't she? <laughs> well, that was a... That was one of those uh, that you was, know, going down yeah. the road, maybe a different direction. Yeah, I got, ended up in a cold sack. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for sharing that with us because I think that's exactly the kind of story that most of us yeah. can relate to. We really want you to write to us and let us know what your experiences have been. Womenbeyond at iCloud.com is how you can get in touch with us. And want to hear from you. Denise and I are so enjoying this. We're learning a lot about different things that we might not have uh, drilled down on. And it's just, it's very energizing and makes me feel very positive about this point in our lives. I think so, absolutely. Yeah. And I love hearing from the people that tell me that they, they uh, several friends, they when they're exercising in the, mo- the morning, they listen to oh, us. Oh, that's Uh, One of my friends, Sandra Gutierrez, who's a famous cookbook author, says that she's walking down the street with her little dog and she bursts out laughing all the time with her headphones and she knows that her neighbors must think she's crazy. (laughs) I said, no, I don't think that's it, Sandra. There could be other reasons, but it's not because you're laughing to yourself. Oh, that's But I think that it's so lovely and we have fun. So thank you, Miss Diane. Thank you, Miss Cindy. Thank you, Cindy. See you later. Bye.